0: I'm unsure if I talked about the nightmare I've had with Her Majesty's Tax People Revenue and Customs. Sorry, that's the new branding. <laughs> yeah, HMTP. HMTP. <laughs> and me attempting to pay off a tax bill, and they told me the only way to do it is by banker's cheque. I think we talked about this. Right. Okay. So I, I may have mentioned it already. Maybe
1: it didn't make the edit. If,
0: if, uh, many things do not make the edit, James. So yes, it may have <laughs> succumbed to the to the trash folder. But anyway. <laughs> I have attempted to pay off this hefty ta- tax bill, only to be told it's banker's cheque. Yeah. This week, I decided, you know what? I could get ahead of the game. I'm going to pay off my tax for the next year yep. by just putting the money in my account and just leave it and just leave it. Huge friends. Just l- let it rest. Massive friends. But the problem is that this contract was paid in US dollars and is currently sitting in my, my Upwork account. Oh. And so now, to make the most of every single penny... I'm waiting for the exchange rates to go up. <laughs> so I get like an extra 18 quid when I, when I take my money out. And it converts to
1: pounds. I cannot say I've ever cared to that level of detail about
0: anything. If if I'm going to give money to the Queen, then at least I've got to give the, the maximum I can. I've got to
1: give her all the free money I can. Yeah, I'm
0: not going to, you know, whilst the US dollar is trading at. 70 pence to the dollar
1: no you're right you're right if it was for her majesty i would be keeping an eye on that exchange rate every minute of the day
0: but now i feel like i'm i'm slowly moving into like the stock market because i'm (laughs) every single day i'm checking the exchange rate of the dollar versus sterling convert them into gold first and let that grow for a month at what point did i become a middle-aged man it's it's very sad Very sad. Almost as sad as having seven Twitter accounts. (laughs) I don't care quite that much. I've got
1: (laughs) two. I've got two Twitter Uh, accounts. And I'm sure that your tweets per account is way higher than mine. So you're doing great.
0: So I I realise we're uh, straddling several subjects here. But just on the point of of accounts, I did a voiceover last week for this this Wi-Fi company in Asia. Bless them. They do uh... do try their best. (laughs) Is uh, the Bond back again? This is Broadband Bond. Broadband Bond. <laughs> and, uh, they, and they did a riff off uh, BTS, the South Korean boy <laughs> no band, way. by becoming uh, F- FBB, which is the fiber broadband boys. Oh, I mean, come of course, on. FBB. <laughs> Uh, we've also had Super Mario, which became Super Fiber. Super Fiber, that's really great. Rather than Fiber Mario. Wait, you had what, Super
1: Fiber and Fiber Mario? No, no, I was saying it should have been Fiber Mario. Oh, okay. I thought you said and then Fiber Mario, and I was like, wow, <laughs> you're getting serious.
0: No, but, but this week, the script is uh, about Hot Girl Summers. Okay. As in, you know, you're, you're using your online tutorials to get fit and to work those peaches. Their words, not mine. And uh, this apparently is aimed at 35 to 50 year old women. What? And I've told I've told them. I've said women in the UK who are aged 35 to 50 do not care about hot girl summer selfies on Instagram. And uh, there's a line at the end which is uh, posting selfies to your thousands of admiring followers. And I th- and I actually I'd- I added a line in there I said I will I'm recording this line and you're going to use it which is we can all dream, can't we? All right. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. what sort of warped universe are we selling if we're telling people you're posting selfies to your thousands, thousands of admirers. Of I maybe have like sixty likes on my highest Instagram picture, and I'm I'm proud of those sixty. Uh, yeah, and you're very. How <laughs> I many I mean, do you have, James? On Instagram,
1: I hang on. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think I've currently got a post live on Instagram. I'm pretty sure I had some, and then I deleted it all. Oh, I did that too. I I regretted it. Never regret the
0: big delete. It's it's worthy of pride. We move on. But it is one thing that in the past. I certainly struggled with was this idea of i've got to make it i've got to be something i've got to be someone
1: and, yeah, and that the way to be someone is is measured in follows and likes
0: well precisely so when of course it, you, you it fails to materialize and you realize that the riverside show is not is not going to launch your career into the stratosphere oh then uh, you, you've got to settle and you think you know what it's okay to just be a person in life, who does who does great things. It is okay to be a person. But without being like a thing on Instagram who, for example, to use one of my colleagues or former colleagues whose name I shall protect for her privacy, is very popular on social media because she's very pretty, Yeah. but will post pictures and every single time she posts a picture, she gets a comment from the same user saying, hi there, can you please post a picture of you being gunged in jeans? Thank you. <laughs> and I've, I figured, you know what? I can actually do without that level of intimacy from strangers on the internet.
1: (laughs) What's the picture
0: of being gunged in jeans?
1: I don't know. Why so specific? I mean that like that's a fetish thing, right? There's no way that's (laughs) just like a for giggles thing.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, it's no it's certainly something something beyond
1: jeans specifically, right? Gunge I can get. I can get behind not because i i have a sort of a gunge fetish but because i do know <laughs> that people usually end up fetishizing things that were prevalent in their youth right right and they're very popular gunging tv shows for the kids to get addicted to in our youth oh, of course so i'm sure it probably stems from that i don't understand the
0: jeans element <laughs> it may be, so much no it may tie in but also that is a uh that's that's the price of of uh local fame <laughs> if you if you become somewhat popular on Instagram and you happen to be attractive, this is also what what comes with it. It's it's the baggage.
1: Yeah, you'll get the you'll get the there is baggage. There's significant baggage. We talked about that quite a lot um, in my like stream circles and stuff like that. Because if uh, well, because of the nature of Twitch as a platform, you you get a lot of creepy comments I, I'm especially sure especially if you're a female streamer which I happen to not be yeah um, but I've seen a plenty if I had to delete a plenty of comment and you don't even have to have a significant following to accrue crew um, a, a bunch of creeps it just happens um, so like it's a big shame and I don't know how to tackle it and I don't think we're gonna discover how to tackle it in one minute on the podcast <laughs> no. but no I would not want that kind of a following, even a little bit.
0: It's, it's off-putting. But but also it's the fact that the social media platforms themselves don't seem to know how to deal with it. And no. Yeah, it, it's something that after a little bit of time and a little bit of reflection, you realise it's okay if only 50 people listen to the music I and my brothers have made. That's cool. 50 people enjoyed it. Great. Yeah. I'm okay with that. 50 people's, like, loads, if we're being <laughs> it real. It is. I, I, I bet there
1: are plenty, like... Great musicians living in past ages who who only ever got to play at their home because they lived so remote, and that's also true. And it's just a shame they never got that. They never got that audience that so we have the availability uh, uh, at
0: online now. Indeed. Well, talking of, uh, I
1: don't think that was a real sentence, but I'm running with it. <laughs>
0: okay. Well, talking off the vast audiences and rabid fan bases. Thank you <laughs> oh, yeah, for listening to Seesaw Parade. Welcome to the show. <laughs> wow! Episode two five seven. I'm Colin, and he's James. Yeah, I'll do it, but not in jeans. Ready to be gunged at your request. You can give us money on Patreon for that. We're gonna start. We're gonna start GoFundMe for that to happen. I
1: see. I've heard that. I've heard that the gunge is like disgustingly stinky. So maybe oh, not. Oh, I know. Maybe
0: not. Horrendous. Okay. Well, anyway, thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for bearing with us and uh, enjoying it if uh, like like we used to enjoy those uh, those Gunge tv shows i'll be honest i don't think we've ever had an episode with so many mentions of Gunge, so that's 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 a first we have however
1: mentioned Gunge before so maybe it's a new niche for us
0: <laughs> okay well this is indeed your new favorite podcast scotland's longest running season 1 of any scottish Podcast focused on news slash entertainment slash a little bit of sport these days. <laughs> focused,
1: like you say, focused. Focused, followed by a scattergun.
0: <laughs> it is a focused scattergun. We're very focused on where yes. it's going. It's going in multiple areas, but we're focused on doing that. It's going out. Which is out the ways indeed and uh yeah you can get in touch with the show at seesaw on twitter or you can email us with something longer form as some of you have done in the past that is seesawparade at gmail.com we will get to the review section of the show later where uh, we talk about what we have been watching and james i'm going to tease you here <gasps> i have watched the ninth film in the fast and furious saga what And let me tell you it, it was something but that's coming wow But first, James, we're going to talk about uh, much less bombastic things, shall we? Sure. And much less things related to Vin Diesel. Let's start with the Euros and then we'll talk about COVID. Okay. I thought thought I'd flip it up this week. Great. Full of enthusiasm as ever. James thank you Absolutely. okay well let's start <laughs> right by talking about uh the football and I know that for some people this is a turnoff, but we will be focusing on the fallout rather than the game itself but let's start there <laughs> okay it sucked the final yeah the final was bad <laughs> England lost to Italy on penalties <laughs> that part didn't in, I mean it, that part wasn't so bad uh, yeah that part was was mildly enjoyable the the thing is if England were going to lose this as they eventually did it was always going to be on the penalties so it's destiny that was exactly it was destiny england uh, began very brightly they scored after two minutes with luke shaw and then for the next 80 plus minutes oh, man. essentially were submerged in their own half as the italians desperately tried to win off the pedal just try and hold it
1: forever i don't know that philosophy i cannot get behind if you've got good momentum
0: just keep it going for a little bit uh, at least until the end of a half. Well, indeed. But anyway, they were playing at uh, Wembley Stadium in London so it was a, a rabid home crowd behind them and we'll talk about some of the crowd problems later on. But uh, yeah, eventually Italy equalised from a Leonardo Bonucci and then it went to extra time, still remained 1-1, yeah. went to penalties and then we had three misses in a row. First of all, from Marcus Rashford who I was actually willing him to score because I knew that if he missed, bad stuff would happen, and thus has proved. So Marcus Rashford missed first, and then it was Jaden Sancho, and then it was Bukayo Saka, who missed the final penalty, which then gave the Euro 2020 trophy to Italy. Yes. Who, um, in joyous scenes, saw Leonardo Bonucci grab the closest camera and scream (laughs) into the lens, it's coming to Rome. Yeah, they really just knocked that one out of the
1: park, like... They had the perfect setup for their own phrase, and now it will live
0: forever. <laughs> Indeed. Okay, well, let's talk about the Fallout, because what happened after that has been described as unforgivable, as embarrassing, and and people are decrying the amount of people who have been aiming racist abuse at the three players who missed the penalties. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, they've been described as not real football fans, as uh, they should be ashamed to be English. We've had Boris Johnson come out and condemn it, the Football Association, a bunch of current and former players. The Met Police say they're investigating and say that these uh, types of abuses will just not not be tolerated. Sure, yeah, absolutely. It's just the first time they've ever
1: happened, and it's never going to happen again.
0: Of course, right. So uh, to, to give you some more information there, we had a mural in Marcus Rashford's home area in South oh, yeah. Manchester, in Withington, which was defaced with racist graffiti, which uh, thankfully now has been covered up by absolutely swathes of positive messages. So that is something positive out of something horrendous to start with. Yeah. And uh, we've also had a bunch of politicians respond to all of this. So that is where I want to start this, James. Okay, okay. We had Pretty Patel, the Home Secretary... Who tweeted? Oh yeah, she disgust. didn't like that
1: racism. She her yeah.
0: disgust that the England players had been uh, subject to vile racist abuse. This James, despite the fact that for <laughs> weeks in the run up to this, yeah, yeah, she'd yeah. been blowing the dog whistle, and is now surprised that the dogs have started to bite. So what's your take on all this?
1: Isn't it just so shocking that there is racism in football? Like if only the players like would like protest it or something <laughs> to make it more visible and more noticed so that people could know that there was racism in football, then Pretty Patel wouldn't be like y- yeah. only finding out after the fact. She'd have been prepared for it and doing, I'm sure, everything she could have done to stop it from happening in the first place. That That's it. That's the end of the joke. Um... <laughs> It's just the conservatives are now revealing themselves, uh, full on as the go with the flow crowd that they are. Whatever right. is happening, they will just respond in the way that is gonna get them the best headline they can. Yeah. So when people are calling England racist, just uh, well, not even England. People are calling certain facets of England racist. It is in their best interest to say, no, how dare you? We're a lovely nation. And everybody's equal here. Um, and they'll only ever respond to racism when it is incredibly visible and impossible to ignore. Right. And they'll respond in the weakest manner they can, which is to say that they condemn it and do nothing. And they are going to do nothing. <laughs> but But they have condemned it. So good on them, I guess.
0: Okay, so... For me, the facts of this story still defy belief, because we had the English national team choose to take the knee to display this anti-racism message based largely on their own direct experiences. The amount of players in that squad who are from Caribbean, African, ethnic minority backgrounds is staggering. And they took the knee in every single game. Racists booed that. And the Prime Minister and the Home Secretary then publicly criticised the players for that gesture. They called it gesture politics. And they actually then backed the people who were booing them. They said, you know what? It's okay to boo people it's okay to boo it yeah. yeah sure
1: they don't believe in gesture politics but they'll they'll roll out a massive England flag and stand on it in front of number 10
0: yeah so, so after backing the racists then when England lose in the final and the racism becomes as you say James so massive they can't ignore it yeah they feign disgust when the racism the very thing the players have been campaigning about the entire tournament actually happens it's absolutely rotten and it's unsurprising no it's not it's not surprising at all and it's uh, it's going
1: to continue because boris and his pals and all the leaders they're not actually interested in dealing with it we've we, I, I talked about it last week they don't want to change football all too much they want to keep it this hyper religious culty football thing where everybody is all emotion no sense and they can just have everybody be satisfied with the football so they don't think about politics. And satisfied with the football and angry at the football so they don't think about their own lives and how they could improve it by voting and things like that. It is Football for them is a mechanism to keep the people in check. And therefore they aren't going to try and fix it because they fixed it and they started working on actually improving the scene and all the other problematic scenes in the UK. They literally lose voters. Because they are not the party of good people. Yep. Um now I, I wanna say it right now before we carry on that the the loud racists are of course a minority of football supporters. Most decent people who watch the game at home are decent people who watch the game at home. Yep. And most people who go to the stadiums and go to pubs and stuff aren't that aren't that terrible. There's just this very loud very awful group of people but that minority isn't a small one we're looking at like if you're looking at um violence the case rates amongst violence for in football games and things surrounding it is high racism it's high it's not a small minority but this isn't a label for every single football fan once again but there is a very problematic and pretty significant number of people who will not be dealt with who will not be educated because it is in the interest of those in power to keep them all as they are
0: yeah i mean to me the home secretary shitty chattel has done more recently than anyone else i can think of in modern times to legitimize encourage and incite the kinds of attitudes and behavior that we've seen over the last few days which she is now apparently condemning
1: yeah, yeah, she and Boris are like a power couple in terms of like <laughs> enabling racism in the UK. The stuff that Boris has published and said and gotten away with and excused and the stuff that she's now excusing and uh, saying, there isn't a bigger example of, l- of leading people into racism and not just even like casual racism. What they say is legitimately vile and they just are the leaders of the country.
0: Uh, we also had some right-wing grifters and a Tory MP make similar comments about Mr. Rashford. We had uh, Natalie Elphick, who's the Tory MP to uh, in some area in England, who messaged a Tory WhatsApp group chat to say... I'm glad there was a leaker. Oh, absolutely. Would it be ungenerous to suggest Rashford should have spent more time perfecting his game and less time playing politics? And that yeah, you know what? message was then leaked. You know what?
1: No, but he had to play politics because the politicians refused to. If politicians <laughs> did their jobs, football players would get to play football more.
0: Yeah, so the, the sorry, the MP for Dover had suggested that uh, yeah, he should be practicing his spot kicks instead of, you know, campaigning for free meals for deprived yeah. school children during lockdown. But you know what?
1: I would take, even if all the politicians were doing the very best job in the world, I would still take an entire team of footballers who spent the majority of their time campaigning for good things over practicing penalties. 100%. I would take endless football losses with good, decent players ahead of whatever the Conservative government is wanting our players to be in the UK in general.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. I'll ask for your final thoughts on this whole debacle in a second, but we also did have some serious security breaches at Wembley on the day of the game. There were videos on Twitter of hundreds of fans trampling down big security barriers, breaking through doors. There were violent scuffles between uh, security and fans, and then also some English fans just battering some Italians, which was was nice to see. And uh, police on horseback were eventually brought in to... To deal with the situation, and because England lost, it did appear to de-escalate, certainly outside the stadium, but inside the stadium, there were people, particularly in, uh, I want to say a couple of sections in the North End, where it was standing room only. People were in the aisles, people who had bought tickets for seats to only to find fans occupying them were just having to either stand where they were for the entire game or, or leave. And certainly from my perspective, oh, we also had a streaker on the pitch as well. Oh, yeah. And from my perspective, that has done some serious damage to England and Ireland's hopes of hosting the World Cup in nine years' time because that was... The scenes were nasty.
1: Yeah, and every single country out there has its football fans who are worthy of, you know, far less than pride. Um, But I do think that there are certain teams and certain nations who just have a larger number of those trash fans than others. And it really seems like the England fan base approaches the top of the pile when it comes to the highest percentage of people who are just bad, who are actively supporting, and I'm in quotes saying supporting uh, the team, because there isn't support there. It is just a bunch of people who are wanting an occasion to be either violent at or loud at or cause a ruckus or whatever they're wanting they're not there to support the team they're not there for the team to win they're just there for whatever reason they they have for entertainment for themselves again something needs to be done when it comes to the england fans and we see the same in scotland especially with certain club club teams yep things need to be actually done we can't just keep having things be condemned and then no repercussions there has to be this beginning of uh, an act of getting these people out of the game.
0: Okay, I'm just going to ask one more question before we talk about COVID and the rules that are changing uh, both in Scotland and in England. Let's talk about the fact that England were actually playing in this final and that the fact that overwhelmingly from people I know, there was this, this idea that England must lose because as we've talked about on this uh, show before, the fact that they still talk about 1966 as if it was just a few years ago yeah. was was a lot to deal with. However, I was seeing a lot of a lot of videos, some which, of which were, were sent to me, of of rabid celebrations as uh, England lost. And yeah. whilst it was whilst yeah, I wanted Italy to win, I was glad they did win. This England team are as likeable as they have ever been. The amount of upstanding human beings in this squad is a credit to them. They are down to earth. They are doing things like Marcus Rashford has been doing over the last uh, couple of years. And Gareth Southgate does come across as a really, really nice guy. So I know we briefly touched this uh, last week, but why do you believe... Is it the case that so many people not just in Scotland a- across Europe across the world it was world it was worldwide wanted yeah. Italy to win or rather wanted England to
1: lose it was it was wanting England to lose no matter who yeah, was yeah. in the final opposing them they would have had more support and I think it mostly is in big part just due to the obnoxious attempts to own the game. That England have, wherein it's coming home and all that, where they do not let go of this, uh, um, fr- frankly, lie that England made football or invented football and it is the home of football. They got that one wrong. I'm biased, but I'm I'm correct. They are not right. And uh, that kind of annoying media and annoying hype and annoying fan base will make you root for anybody over them. And there's a lot of it that's a big element of like friendly rivalry and friendly banter. There's a lot of it that is like hatred of the Tories and the Tories are a party for the English, really, uh, no matter which part of the UK you're from. Uh, so there is this hatred of anything that represents, England, who are the country of the worst party and there's there's so many different facets and reasons to to not support england that you'll support anybody ahead of them i can't say i celebrated i heard celebrations outside in my square which i was okay with um but i can say i felt incredible relief that i wasn't going to be pestered and annoyed (laughs) and upset by endless coverage for the next Five, six, seven decades—I'll be dead by then. Oh, no. oh absolutely! Oh,
0: yeah! I, hundred percent. When I die, they will still be—if they had won—they would still be talking yeah. about twenty twenty, and I'm sure they will still talk about it for the rest of my life. They,
1: yeah, they would. They, they still will be talking about it, and the only thing we can do as uh, very lucky Scottish people who are from the home of football is one, steal that from them, and two—and <laughs> by steal, I mean take it back—and two, of course, um, we can say. Well, you didn't beat us. That's true. They didn't. Scotland and Italy were the only two teams England didn't win against in the tournament. I think that puts us at second place overall. So really close to my my predicted first place finish for Scotland. (laughs) Absolutely. Join second. Because we won that draw.
0: Before we talk about COVID, you talked about uh, England being the party of the Tories. I've just had this breaking news flash from BBC News A £4 billion cut to this year's UK foreign aid budget has been backed by MPs in a (sighs) Commons vote. Disgusting. They don't care about people. £4 billion less for the world's poorest nations. Anyway, let's talk about COVID, shall we? (laughs) Uh, let's talk about, first of all, Scotland. So in the last couple of hours, Nicola Sturgeon, the First Minister, has announced that Scotland is to move to level zero yep. of COVID restrictions on the 19th of July, but mandatory use of face coverings will remain for some time. Yep. Uh, Nicola Sturgeon said the planned easing had to be modified due to the spread of the Delta variant. And this uh, move to level zero means more people can now meet indoors and attend weddings and funerals. Uh, Limits on outdoor meetings are still to be kept in place and the return of workers to offices is to be delayed. Now, this is in a little bit of a contrast to England, where on Monday, I believe, Boris Johnson confirmed that England would be the first nation uh, in Britain to lift the legal requirement to wear masks and for people to socially distance, which is also happening on July 19th. Uh, The Prime Minister urged people to show caution when every restriction lifts next week uh, south of the border, saying that an increase in cases underlines the pandemic is not over. So, James, before we talk about, because I've got lots of uh, concerning stats to share, uh, cases have been going up. They've been doubling every week for the past month or so. And yet we are pressing onwards. Yep. Why? Well, Scotland has... I
1: believe, plateaued right now. We're kind of like... Yeah, we're kind of there. Past our our record-breaking peak. The UK certainly is still in general on the rise. It is. Uh, I, I will only say my very short answer to why we are continuing. It's because millennials don't matter. Um, the Tories. Which we have talked about. Yeah, I said this last week. The Tories uh, do not care about the younger generations because the younger generations do not vote for the Tories. They are not going to keep them in power. So the only people the Tories have to pander to are mostly vaccinated already, mostly fed up of regulations, mostly wanting out. Um, and therefore the Tories will just do that and sacrifice the long term health of, of a generation for it and risk. Um, causing another mutation of a virus and all of these things. They will do whatever it takes to keep their uh, public opinion just high enough to guarantee that everybody's got enough confidence in them to not be calling an election or something like that. Right. Um, and then why Scotland has to follow is because there is no way that you cannot. Yeah, yeah. Imagine what happens to Sturgeon and the SNP if they come out and they say, actually, no, we're going to hold off for a couple of months, actually. Uh, Boris has got this wrong. We'll just get very loud protests for freedom immediately. The party's popularity will sink and they're just, they're just also playing politics. So no, I'm not saying it's a good thing they're doing. it. I think that they should be in car- like not going to level zero now, waiting even longer. They shouldn't be looking to put an end date to level zero, which I believe was the start of August, which is ridiculous. Um, uh, yeah, I think it's August 9th. That's, that is insanely soon to be jumping to a, the level beyond level zero. And we've just got these one or two little things that are hopefully going to help keep things a bit more regular here. So the the fact that we are going to keep face masks mandatory, especially in public transport and stuff like that, that is a silver lining. It is. But we shouldn't be so eagerly following the lead of Boris and his pals who only care about A certain group of the population
0: right so so because scientists do actually appear to have a moral compass in comparison to the government we've had the uk government's scientific body the one that they are going to for advice suggesting that this exit wave would result in more than 200 deaths per day and thousands more hospitalizations although other models uh, suggest uh, projections of about 400 deaths per day So, yeah, there we go. Dr. Chand Nagpal, who you've seen pop up over the years from the British Medical Association, has said a significant proportion of the population is still not fully vaccinated, which we know, and that pressing ahead will allow the virus to re-tighten its grip, putting unsustainable pressure on hospitals across the UK. And as we talked about last week, certain hospitals in Scotland are already at code black, which means they are not taking, or rather they're cancelling yeah. non-elective surgeries and they're already at capacity. And this is before we've got to July 19th. It's mad. Uh, this is The decision has been called uh, irresponsible, frankly perilous uh, by Dr. Chand Nagpal again. And uh, the BMA say they've repeatedly warned of this rapidly rising infection rate and the fact that this you know regardless of the age group covid is going to continue to hospitalize people and also pushing nhs staff to the brink of collapse yeah because they're having they've been dealing with this for what 18 months now and this is just another opportunity regardless of if it's shorter stays you're putting more pressure on hospitals up and down the country
1: yeah and of course there's the element where it's just for the sake of keeping the gdp good and keeping businesses open because we'd rather do that by sacrificing health than by you know investing money that will then be returned eventually anyway. It's a it's a strange maths that they're doing in their head. I did like the phrase that we saw from yes, the World Health Organization. They, they called the strategy moral emptiness. I liked that part of it. I don't remember the rest of it right now.
0: It was uh, moral emptiness and epidemiological stupidity. That was Doctor Mike Ryan. <laughs> okay. Who's uh, very strong. an executive director from the WHO, uh, and also we've had just at the, just at this point, uh, hospitalizations are rising up to two thousand a day. That's the prediction by the the early August period. And uh, just to talk about long COVID as well, I know we've mentioned this before, yeah. but I finally got some stats on we this. We talk
1: about it a lot. Yeah, this
0: is uh, now the fact that around one million people in the UK, estimated by the Office Oof. for National Statistics, have long have long COVID, with oh, three hundred eighty-five thousand having had symptoms for more than a year, and six hundred thousand saying wow. it is impacting their daily life. One of my friends from the BBC, a journalist has now had long COVID for a year and is was before that was a hill walker, was a swimmer, all sorts of things. And she wrote a big article on the BBC this week uh, explaining how her life is just, she goes outside for a walk for five minutes and she has to go and lie down for the rest of the day.
1: Uh, yeah, and, and that's the sacrifice that the, the government is willing to ask us to make. Indeed. And will in fact demand that we make um, for the sake of whatever lobby they are, they are listening to. Um, we've talked about the long COVID thing a lot and it's especially scary with the Delta variant and some of the other variants which are showing signs that uh, the vaccines aren't quite as effective against infection in some instances against these new variants. So you might get infected, you're probably not going to get sent to hospital with it but even some of the vaccinated folks are more vulnerable right um, to specific variants so it's just genuinely a mind-boggling decision and the fact that we are so close to these dates and there's no sign of the u-turn i'm just wondering is it going to be another last minute u-turn as as pressure mounts them no. to
0: not sacrifice people's health no. So so my view on this is, and just to give you some more information, uh, we've had some concern being expressed uh, by another medical group. I'm attempting to find who it is, but it's based on the fact that 3.7 million people in England are classed as extremely vulnerable. And this group is saying that um, this group who have spent most of the last 18 months shielding uh, they've just been forgotten about because everything's going back to normal. W- what about them? Yeah. And so that that's another another point. But when you talk about, do you think this is going to be reversed? No. I, I firmly believe that this is it because Boris has already pushed back this so-called Freedom Day by, what, four weeks? It was meant to be in the middle of June. Freedom Day. And I think if if he does it again with, with, what, five days to go? No way. It, people will do it anyway. And the fact that they're now asking nightclubs to start checking people's essentially covid passports like have you had a vaccine or rather sorry have you had a negative test like that to me is a sign of a government which is pushing through with this regardless of what's happening and their their um, argument for this is that it's summertime so therefore the the virus is having a tougher tougher time spreading
1: (laughs) yeah clearly (laughs) indeed record record breaking levels of infection it's really struggling
0: You've got the schools which are on holiday, so the pupils are spending time apart rather than in close proximity and then spreading cases further. And they said if they waited and they did this in the autumn, it would be tougher because then it gets colder and the schools are back, X, Y, and Z. Right, However...
1: Right. Yes, yeah, so we'll just get it going so that when autumn comes, right, <laughs> read the highest level possible <laughs> at the beginning of autumn.
0: Right. So the only way that this wave is dealt with is that we just go on through the next, what, six to eight weeks? Yeah. As the cases go higher and higher, and then eventually we'll get to a point where enough people have been vaccinated and enough herd immunity has been built up that the cases start to drop. However, during that yeah, time... Was
1: there was herd immunity strat all along. Uh,
0: indeed. How many people will die in that time who will die unnecessarily? Yeah. And at this point... It's speculation. I've mentioned the 200 figure. I've mentioned the 400 figure. You're looking ultimately at thousands more unnecessary deaths. Yeah. For the sake of what? Nightclubs? You can wait another three weeks. More
1: deaths, I bet, than that original, like, disastrous 20K ever. Yeah, right? do, do, do
0: you remember those days? Yeah. When. Mm-hmm. It was like, hey, if we can avoid 20,000 deaths, we'll be doing great. Yeah. At this point in time, they're almost at 130,000 dead in the UK.
1: Yeah, like we're going to see that 20K again, and it's going to be an avoidable 20K again. Um, and it's not, again, not even just deaths. It's the, it's the whole, like the number of people, that that huge number of long COVID sufferers, is is it, it, it hurts my head to think about them. Um, And that number is only going to arise. And it's going to be a a bunch of younger people who have so much more life ahead of them and are in those years where you want to go out and, you know, not go home tired five minutes later.
0: Okay, James, let's uh, move on to some lighter stuff before we go back to our terrible sandwich. Of bad news. Let's talk about what we've been watching. <laughs> Moldy bread with like some real good jam in the middle. Mm. Jam, yeah, absolutely. We talked about the, was it the jam and cheese? Let's go for the a Nutella and banana filling this week because... Oh, nice, yeah. It's it's tasty, but by looking at it from a distance, you're unsure what's really in it. Ah, uh, okay, okay, okay. Because I'm going to tell you about Fast 9. Nice. My good. First of all, have you watched anything this week? Uh, oh, I, uh, actually I did. Was it an anime? Um... No, no, I watched a
1: film. I watched it. I <laughs> wow. watched Inglourious Bastards. Oh, really? Nice. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you've seen that before? It's on Netflix. So I was like, all right, I'll watch it again. And I watched it again. It was uh,
0: just as good as it was the first time. <laughs> oh, man, I need to watch that again. I've not seen that for so long. It's a
1: very good one. Now, if you've only ever seen the trailers for it, I'd say it's worth a watch. It's probably not exactly what you think it's going to be. So go ahead and give it a go. <laughs>
0: Okay, well, James, I marked a return to cinema, socially distant cinema, wow. where the nearest seats you can get are three rows apart. Wow, wow, which, wow. Uh, which is good—three rows and three seats apart. Oh, that actually sounds really good. It's great. It's absolutely great. You can just put like your bag on the left, oh. you can put your jacket on the right, <sighs> and you still have it. You could you could take two bags and two jackets, and you still would be fine. I'd <laughs> take every bag I own. <laughs> <laughs> okay, pack a suitcase. So, went to see Fast and Furious Nine. This, of course, is, uh, as mentioned, the Vin Diesel-led franchise, Juggernaut, which is now on its ninth edition, with Justin Lin directing once again. I think he's done every film from five onwards, maybe even four onwards. Mm -hmm. Just before I I give you my thoughts, let's just take a moment, once again, to reflect on the fact that we have come from a 2001 movie, which was largely involving the stealing of DVD players and street racing. Mm -hmm. To a movie where thousands of people die, dozens of people are murdered in the opening ten minutes by our cast of miscreants, mm-hmm. and nothing makes sense anymore. If you just if you just think about it, even a little bit. Yeah, but they still drink beers. It's the same. They, they do drink Corona, and I think every single movie, yeah. which is an uh, impressive dedication to a to a corporate deal. But it's <laughs> also a franchise where characters. Are never really dead. You can always resurrect them afterwards, and then come up with a with a reason. Uh, yes. And there's there's even a nod to this in this film because shortly after Tyrese Gibson's character of Roman has I'm not kidding you here massacred 14 soldiers single handedly despite being surrounded. Okay. He remarks to a uh, Ted who's played by Ludacris. He remarks that he is actually invincible. He is immortal. They are unkillable. And it's to me was one of the fleeting moments in the film where it has a little wink at itself to say, Mm -hmm. "Okay, we know how ridiculous this is, but we're going to we're going to do it anyway. Yeah, but that's when you kill the character. Nine
1: films in, you let him say that. Just drop a car in his head. Well, (laughs) perfect way out. And then it's like, where'd the car come from? I, don't
0: know. I really, really want to go into the spoiler territory because there was the perfect way for them to do this, but ultimately I'm going to keep that to myself until people have seen it. So, this franchise despite well and truly jumping the shark, as they have done for yeah, yeah, yeah. previous films, this one is actually the, the worst of the lot. Um, yeah, the franchise itself is actually unkillable too. So let's start with what I actually like. John Cena uh, plays the villain in this one, and the backstory slash the reason for him being here and having a vendetta in the first place actually works. You know, it's pretty solid. Hey. he's His character does have backstory. He's got history. And despite the fact that he has been mysteriously absent for the previous eight films, it does actually make sense. So good work there. Uh, there are a ton of flashback sequences with uh, Michael Rooker, who is uh, Yondu in Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. and uh, also in Walking Dead. He's very... He's very good, and those scenes actually work really well. Uh, however, okay. it also wouldn't be a fast movie without at least a dozen global locations. So it was surprisingly cool to see a solid twenty-minute sequence in Edinburgh. Lots of uh, landmarks and familiar streets in sight, and it's very unusual to see Vin Diesel just like strutting around um, the Royal Mile. Very odd. But uh, I appreciate it. It was nice. <laughs> it's, You know, it
1: helps the country. We make a little bit of money. I, 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 I'll accept it.
0: Yeah. And and finally, the things I liked, the stunt work, when it's not CGI, is admittedly very impressive. Like, seeing stuff blow up and crash and burn is what this franchise is essentially built on. Yeah. And they and they can, look, they can still put together a decent action sequence, even if it's a rung below let's say, the Mission Impossible films. Like, those those to me are, in terms of stunt work... Right, yeah. ...gold standard. Right. On to the cons, okay? Okay, okay.
1: And not the criminals that are the leads of the film. Well,
0: hey, no. This is a bad movie. <laughs> what? It's, it's one that is right on the border of so bad it's good, because I do genuinely believe the filmmakers are self-aware enough to know the saga is ridiculous, but it is just... Not working for me anymore. Right. So Fast 7, the last one with with Paul Walker before his untimely death, for example, is a genuinely fun movie. Yeah. But after that, they they lost something. Like, this film swings so far into self-parody, it just becomes too unbelievable. I know that's a hard stretch for this Fast franchise, but genuinely, at this point, it is just too unbelievable. At least with previous editions, there was still some element of suspending your disbelief whereas now in the ninth film in the opening 20 minutes when you see a car drive off a cliff hook itself onto a rope catapult itself around the coast to evade the bad guys and then roll the landing for a good 10 plus seconds Mm -hmm. only to see the worst injuries received by the people in the car is that they got like some hair in their face sure is when things are beyond saving right
1: but, yeah, but like they're super strong and super skilled
0: that besides there's also the character of ramsey who was introduced in fast 7 who's played by uh, natalie emmanuel aka Masandi from game of thrones oh yeah who whose character may as well be called exposition because oh. Oh, her yeah. only job in this movie is to explain what is happening oh <laughs> uh, and also the constant switching of oh this person was bad but now they're good has grown exceedingly tiresome. It has literally happened in the last three movies. Well, yeah, it's going to continue happening as well. as how you keep the franchise going and to get more spin-offs. <laughs> Indeed. And as mentioned, the fact that this entire team are essentially immortal superheroes just means it's a solid thumbs down. There's absolutely no stakes involved anymore because, you know, they're all fine. They're all going to be surviving and having Coronas at a barbecue in the end scene. And, and they did. They literally did the barbecue Corona end scene and everything's about family. And I've seen this movie before. Everything
1: is about family. A family of immortals. Or
0: eternals, maybe. Okay. And two final points before we move on. Cardi B is in a scene of this movie for some inexplicable reason. She can't act. It's complete <laughs> stunt casting. And also, there's a scene with a very bad Scottish accent. Oh, no! Of some secu- a, a security man saying, Oh, Jimmy, it looks like the cameras are done." Oh, no. was bad. It was <sighs> really bad. Lastly, James, I do have a question. I do actually have a question for you. Okay, okay, okay. Have you ever danced next to a car? Have I danced next to a car? Yeah, or have you ever seen this happen in real life? Have you ever seen someone dance next to a car? Mainly in a dress, at a party.
1: I've never witnessed somebody dancing next to a car, I do not think. And I'm (laughs) pretty sure I've not danced next to a car myself. But you know, I've I've got a bad memory.
0: Right, because apparently this is just a common everyday occurrence in the Fast Universe. Every time they go to a party, it's always introduced with slow-mo shots of people, mainly women, in dresses dancing next to cars sometimes on top of the car oh
1: right okay like an expo
0: like a car expo but in a party no no well i guess so but i don't know how many car expos have women dancing on cars in the fast franchise all of them right and also i've never done that but that might be because i own a cleo i've not seen dom toretto driving one of those yet but they do have fast 10 and Fast 11 yep. still to go. Or maybe it's just Fast 10. Who knows? Maybe they'll close out. Maybe they'll close out with the seatbelts. This is absolutely not worth your time. I'm talking about the podcast and also Fast 9. <laughs> well, which is worse? <laughs> ah, I, oh, Fast 9. Oh, Easily nice. Fast 9. Great. I feel accomplished. At least with us, you know, you know the people on the screen, not just... This fictional Vin Diesel Dom Toretto, who you wish was your big brother. <laughs> yeah, Vin Diesel isn't real. <laughs> He's just a. It's like it's like uh, the conspiracy theorists who say that Australia doesn't exist or Finland doesn't exist. To Vin Diesel, also a figment of your imagination. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Birds, birds aren't real, man. Birds, birds are not real. <laughs> Vin Diesel is just a
0: bird. I was reading about that recently actually. I didn't realise there was a conspiracy theory that said birds are birds are fake.
1: Oh, there's a whole birds aren't real thing and it's, oh. it's in some parts, I'm sure, a big joke and then there'll be some people who don't quite get the, okay. the irony. Well,
0: James, uh that's the review section. We do actually have another one-sentence review of Loki, which is uh, coming to a conclusion on Disney+. Plus. Izzy sent in her episode 5 review saying, Nice. Things are still good. I'm definitely more engaged. Mm-hmm. Lots of things are happening. There's lots of purple smoke. I'm yeah. definitely keen to see what happens next. Yeah. And Richard E. Grant is just all kinds of wonderful and clearly just delighted to be in it. Yeah, no, Marvel
1: definitely invested heavily in their smoke sim department. Uh, And they're using it uh, at every possible opportunity.
0: To be fair, it's like it's like when you're you're writing music, particularly myself, and you discover that you can do a thing. Yes, you can do like a new thing. I can make a new noise on my guitar. Yeah, and then suddenly I start putting that noise of the guitar in every, every song. I do the same. I do. It's completely valid. I'm not complaining. I like oh.
1: fancy looking smoke simulations, and they did a real good job. And I think honestly, the the little bit that they had with uh, with Richard D. Grant was really good. Like the episode itself. Yeah, I enjoyed greatly compared to compared to usual superhero fare. I was, I was very pleased. And I'm excited to see what happens uh, when in the final episode.
0: Okay, well, if you have anything you've finished, be that a TV show, a movie, or a nice meal you've had, you can send it at Seesaw Parade. Or if you would uh, like to record it, you can also send it to us direct or seesawparade at gmail.com. Uh, Dokio Podcast, also asking James if uh, you've watched the, the oh. Filipino anime... Tres or Tressy?
1: I I totally watched an episode. Oh, did you? What did you think? Um, I did. It was very much. Uh, I could see where the budget was spent on the animation, kind of an anime. Um, overall, I enjoyed it enough that it was it was worth worth a watch. It's definitely cool to see anime and shows in general in settings that you're not familiar with and with culture and. Uh, touchstones that you're not familiar with and I think for uh, clearly a a first time for Netflix or whatever studio is going on it was a pretty good venture lots of room for improvement of course and I do hope they get to explore that and get more budget and get to put in time to actually animate things because you cannot animate cheaply but nobody pays for it anymore
0: Uh, Are you offering to pay for it?
1: I can't afford it, I'll I'll be honest uh, I'd probably be able to afford one frame of a show (laughs) if I was lucky um, yeah I wish I could, but no it was it was it was one of those shows where you, they're making use of a lot of panning and static frames that have got like subtle movement, but only a hundred percent of the frame at once movement to keep things feeling like it's active, but it's mostly just static frames and um, there was a lot of that going on and I'm a bit sensitive to that
0: okay well well, to be fair, just on the uh using your own money to make some art, I have been considering. Like spending a decent chunk of money uh-huh. getting some of my my favorite metal vocalists to collab on a track oh. with me, and then I see if I can see if I can expense it as a, a contract. Wow, you know that would be fun. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a project. It's pretty big. <laughs> it is, and honestly, metalcore vocalists are not cheap. You know? I can't imagine they are. No, but there's actual there's an actual website to to do this. Uh, Featured X, you can actually just essentially pick any vocalist wow. in the genre and be like, hey. I've got 23 Spotify listeners. Do you, want to do, do you want to do a song? I mean, it's a specialist field, and if they're willing to do it, it's cool. I, I think they would view it as in the same way that I view some of the work I do, which is, oh, I'm doing a voiceover for your YouTube channel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, 100, 100 people are going to see it. Yeah. Okay, fine. That's that's 200 That's two hundred quid, please. I will take the money. Thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, Elijah Witt, hit me up. Okay, uh, James, let's talk about a couple of uh, movie trailers, shall we? The first one is Encanto, which is uh, Disney's upcoming animation. Let's have a listen. Mirabel, delivery! I gave you the special since you're the only Madrigal kid with no gift. I call it the not special special since uh, you have no gift. Uh, thanks. Someone's revving a very loud engine outside. Maybe they're just excited by the Encanto trailer. <laughs> I, I bet they are. James, what did you think of
1: this? It's a bit bland overall, but I'm hyped in the sense that it's kind of a new space and a new yeah place to be watching a film based around. And hopefully they've done their due diligence and are going to have it be grounded in the culture and in this and that. And that's pretty cool. But I... I didn't. I didn't. One of my problems is that I'm not sure how old the main character is. They're either fourteen or like thirty six. Yeah, like late thirties. I'm not sh- I'm not sure which.
0: Also, I can hear that engine. That is loud. Yeah. Wow. Sorry
1: about that. Um. Um. I, that'll be hard to edit out. So sorry, audience. <laughs> yeah, this episode I- features my neighbours in their car.
0: Nice. Okay. Well, just on the the thoughts on the trailer, I agree entirely. This seemed to be going to like the kiddie film yeah. area, and then suddenly you have the main character who's clearly voiced by someone. I'm unsure who it was, by the way, but clearly voiced by someone who is in their 30s, yeah. either attempting to be a teenager or just being like a, a middle aged woman.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure, and I, I get the whole point. She's supposed to be the kind of like. <laughs> I didn't know. Token normal human being, approachable character for us to connect with in this group of. Right superpowered children or something with this magical house Um, but it didn't the the whole film in general as an idea didn't didn't spark anything but it still could be pretty cool to see uh, right um, the culture shine through
0: the the reason I I dislike this trailer more than I liked it is because I believe I've seen this movie about a dozen times but I've got a couple of a couple of points I want to make the, the, this movie, in Encanto, is clearly about this this one character who doesn't have a special power. Yes. But ultimately, at the end of the film, she will have a special power. Or yeah. it, was, it was inside her the whole time and it was just yeah. being human. Yeah, she was the power. Or maybe she's gay. Maybe that's her superpower. That is a superpower. <laughs> Regardless... I've seen that movie a dozen times, and the message is great. We all have, You know, tell yeah. tell kids that they're special even if they don't feel like they can lift heavy things or they can, I don't know, play the accordion or they can make a good omelette. You know, you're still special. Indeed. <laughs> definitely, definitely not based off things I've been told, because I can't play the accord. I can make an omelette, though. Can you make a good omelette? The other thing I do with chorizo, it's great. Oh. The other thing I did appreciate off this, this particular film, and just filmmaking generally over the last few years, is that we are now much more stepping away from classic white people and, and white people movies. You know, this is clearly very heavily based on, let's say, Latin American culture. Yeah, is it Colombia? It may well be. Uh, Colombian, absolutely. And even with something like Shang-Chi, this uh, new Marvel superhero yeah. movie which is coming out, which I believe is the first Asian uh, Marvel superhero in film. Yeah. Might be wrong there. It's, but similarly to Black Panther. I
1: mean, in, in, in the films, yeah, yeah. and
0: it was only when I was, I was speaking to uh, a, a friend of mine who's Indian, who was talking about when he grew up, every superhero was white. Like, yes. When did you ever see someone who was Indian who was uh, portrayed in a movie as, as like the, the lead character?
1: Yeah, indeed, or even if there are there, there'll always be the white lead? To make it approachable yeah, for the precisely. sensitive white audience.
0: And as we saw with the fact that Black Panther came out and became this smash hit that, at the time, marketing executives and directors in the industry were saying, oh, no, no, it can't work with a with a black lead character. No, this will never pay off. Yeah. And yeah. suddenly they said, oh, oh, hold on a second. If we make movies about different cultures, then people will finally feel represented and kids yeah, that matters a lot absolutely and so going back to this encanto kids from these cultures particularly hispanic kids latin american kids will get to see this movie and will feel part of their culture represented indeed and that is that is a good thing yeah i am a big fan of that so even if the the movie is tired and full of tropes the fact that they've they've made this movie is a good thing so well done
1: yeah and the just to talk back to the representation thing a little bit the 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 twisting of one's own mind uh, that you have to m- do to try and make the point that like representation doesn't matter. And I would prefer all the characters to be white because I can't be represented by a black lead or like a this or that lead blows my mind. The fact that people can in one sentence try and claim that representation doesn't matter while complaining that the lead of the new film isn't the race that they want it to be. Um, So it really matters. And even people who are arguing against it do truly understand why, because they usually argue against it from their own biased representation point of view.
0: Okay, we do have uh, one more trailer to look at. And talking of Marvel, it is a new TV show called Marvel's What If. Yeah. Let's have a listen. I am the Watcher. transpires here, but I do not, cannot, will not interfere. I guess I have to freestyle, then. Hey! We have you outnumbered. A Ravager never flies solo. I said never flies solo. Uh, is that some
1: kind of catchphrase?
0: Okay, James, uh, what did you think of this? This is, to me, the first fully uh promoted animated show that Marvel have done. I know there have been dozens and dozens of superhero uh, cartoons or animated superhero shows over the years, but this one, it seems Marvel is fully behind, mainly because you've got a lot of the original cast in there. The actual. <laughs> not quite in, all of them. <laughs> not quite all of them, no, there's a few distinct uh, absences. <laughs> But they do have, for example, Chadwick Boseman, who is uh, clearly voicing his character there.
1: Oh, yeah. This will be his last last, um, uh, proper appearance. He recorded these lines in 2019, I believe. Um, No, overall, the the show looks um, like exactly what I like. Uh, Episodic, story by story, interesting. Doesn't matter in the long run. It's not going to actually impact the canon too much. It's just multiverse nonsense. Right. And that's the kind of thing I really enjoy with uh, established series and just just shows in general where they don't have to do this grand scale where every little decision matters, where you get to enjoy the episode for what the episode is. Um, so all it is is just a question. What if this person was was in the wrong place at the wrong time instead of where they were in the films? And then they'll play that out. Um, and that, that seems really cool to me. The animation is a little bit weak. Um, but I can get past that.
0: Yeah, I'm with you on that, in that this, this show will serve a purpose and that it does something different. It's essentially speculating on, uh, yeah, it's it's going to take different stories and say, what if this happened? What if this happened? Mm-hmm. And whilst that's fun for, as you say, like a, an enclosed TV show, I don't think there's there's much they can really do with it. It's it's essentially going to be a slightly higher budget version of Doctor Who's Monster of the Week. It will be, oh, what's, what's the story of this week? Oh, what's the story of that week? Rather than uh, than anything running together. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: There, there's there's not going to be a big chaining, right. Overarching story, and we don't always need a huge chain of an overarching story. And Western media needs to learn that lesson a lot, too. Too much lately, we're losing really good ideas for shows and really good seasons of shows to this idea that they need to set up enough things to do a season two, three, four, and five. Okay even if it's not confirmed and, and it's always, it always always just ruins the kind of the feel so I'm, I'm excited to see some of those more interesting stories that wouldn't be worth an entire season but can be done in an episode um, but as I said, the animation is very cheap it's uh, fake 2D animation it's using sh- cell shading on 3D models and stuff like that so it looks real clunky and awkward classic in terms of like making the budget small and um, hopefully if the show is a success they'll actually animate it properly next time
0: Okay, James, let's finish up with some quick-fire news stories. Let's start with everybody's favourite, Willie Rennie. Willie Rennie. Hey! He is is stepping down as leader of the Scottish Liberal Democrats after 10 years. Yeah,
1: he's like the only member as well, so it's like mad.
0: (laughs) He's one of four. There's none left. Indeed, he says it's time for fresh leadership. He's uh, taken the party through 11 election and uh, referendum campaigns since uh, 2011. Wow. However, as you say, they only have four seats after the vote in May. Uh, he uh, In a, a video posted to Twitter, he said the Lib Dems had moved the debate and delivered change. I... Nope, yeah. and said it was time for a fresh face. So, James, what do you think about this and uh, and Willie Rennie's legacy for election photo ops? Oh,
1: man, he's you know, he'll be remembered as, like... The other option um, in terms of politics, like, oh, yeah, there's also Rennie and his party. I guess we could vote for them if nobody else does anything good. But he's had a a very interesting um, habit of getting himself into unusual situations in regards to everything from photo ops to the things he chooses to say in debates and stuff like that. Uh Um, He may not have the most political sense out there so for the sake of the Lib Dems, I do hope they can replace him with somebody who's got a little bit more. But if he was the top of the pile, then we're probably in for some good banter years with the next leader <laughs> um, if they're any more entertaining than Willie Rennie was. I, I don't have actually have a clue what kind of a long-term impact he has had on the political sphere of Scotland or the UK. Okay. Um, But... I do also know that every single person who gets voted in to Parliament does have a say in this and that and they can introduce this and that bill and back this and that bill. So I am sure he has got many a good thing that he can put his name on and say it, it was worth all that time.
0: My thoughts before we move on. Willie Rennie has always struck me as a very nice guy. And in the times I've interviewed him. Very lovely. Has always been a gentleman. Has always been very kind, very generous. As opposed to other politicians who essentially see you as like next in a line of journalists. You know, he actually gave you the time to Day, which is which is nice. Yeah. But it's also a reflection of the fact that he saw the media as an opportunity, which you which you should. Yes. And uh, but I think he at times, or rather his his comms team at times, took it too far because eventually he just became the kind of oh what mad thing is Willie Rennie doing today? Oh he's he's dressing up in a sumo suit and, and chasing a buffalo. Okay, great. <laughs> Let's send a camera out to do that. It sounds- it sounds like a real good thing for a political leader to be seen doing. Right, and while
1: it's approachable for the
0: youth, and whilst there is a, a time and a place for a good photo op i know for example to to pick on ruth davidson oh yeah she leaned on her her military background to have a very very minorly famous photo sh- photo shoot in a tank no oh, dear yeah that thing was bad but but that is an example of how you can do it because you come up with some image which you think right okay that's that's pretty good and whether that was the image she wanted or not i'm sure it probably was yeah yeah, yeah. it's certainly something which was memorable and so for the lib dems i appreciated the fact that they are very much the minority party in scotland now and so they had to do something to get attention however g- doing a photo op is is not going to get you votes so yeah i appreciate willy rennius had a good run it was a nice guy can't remember anything notable he's ever said or stood for but that is kind of the lib dems to a t <laughs> and whilst photo ops are all well and good they're not going to get you votes so it's been fun, Willie, and I'm sure we'll see you around.
1: We will. He probably will continue to be seen here and there
0: in perpetuity. Okay, let's uh, let's talk about Texas, from Fife to Texas. Yeah. There's a, there's a segue. Democrats, or other Democrat politicians in Texas, have left the state en masse in an effort to stop Republicans there from passing a law which would tighten voting rules. Uh, so the fact that 50 of them, Uh, boarded two private jets from Austin in Texas to Washington DC on Monday means that the House of Representatives, which needs at least two thirds of the members to be there to vote, can't actually happen anymore. So this comes uh, amid a wave of uh, restrictions or restrictive bills being put through various Republican led states. Uh, Republicans say that these measures are essential to avoid the fraud. Yeah, yeah, the same voter fraud
1: problem we've got in the UK that we're tackling equally (laughs) vigorously.
0: Indeed, the fraud of the last election, which was, of course, robbed from Donald Trump. uh, But Democrats have seen this as an attack on the right to vote. So this bill in Texas would ban, for example, uh, 24-hour polling places. It would expand the power of poll watchers. And it would do a whole host of other things to do with uh, with ballot boxes and and mail in ballots as well. Mm-hmm. So, James, this to me seems to be like putting off the inevitable because the Republicans do control the House, so therefore they're going to vote through these things. Whether it's in Texas and Wisconsin and Michigan, it's going to happen.
1: Yeah. This kind of a flee the state to avoid a vote thing has happened before in several states. I don't think it's ever been the intent of any of those who fled to actually kill the bill in any sense. Um, Right. I don't think it's ever been successful either. I can't guarantee that. I need to listen to a few more uh, uh, reports on them or something, I guess, but... I believe the intent is mostly just to create the headlines, to try and rally the opinion of the public, to to draw attention to their view on it, to say this is so bad, we're like really bending the rules here. Uh, Please, like, join us in uproar, and then hoping that people actually do it. But you are right in that it's the Republicans; they don't care what people think. Just on Um, sorry, just
0: on the the point of other states through similar legislation, we did have Georgia in April uh, doing something similar, which included forbidding the practice of giving food or water to voters waiting in line. Yeah, disgusting stuff. Which is mental, but welcome to America. And uh, as well as restricting access to the ballots by placing limits on absentee votes and shortening the period for for runoff elections. Yeah. Uh, so th- this was this was wild to the extent that Major League Baseball uh, announced that it was going to pull its uh, all-star game from Georgia mm-hmm. in protest. Yep. I don't actually know if that uh, if this has happened, but it looked like the bill was signed into law.
1: Yeah, yeah. So these bills are an increasing Madness. problem in the States. We've also got our own copy-paste one over here for... Uh, the conservatives are still very keen on introducing voter ID laws to tackle the like oh indeed one or two dozen cases of people attempting voter fraud in the u k which is a really big problem that definitely demands an upheaval of our entire voting infrastructure for um and it's just a tactic of of conservative and Republican parties just to keep their vote strong the uh, just with the way that people vote they know that by limiting it it will only benefit them and especially limiting uh, voting in urban areas which tend to vote more democratic in the states it of course makes it harder to vote and therefore more votes will be lost by the party who would be winning Uh, and therefore this is a very good policy in terms of how to prop up your dying party but they don't. Act, it's another case of they don't care about the people. They don't care about equality and fairness. They don't care about anything except keeping themselves in power. And it will happen. Um, it's, it's it's a terrible shame. Yep.
0: Yeah. Okay, let's uh, penultimately talk about a trio of international stories, then we'll talk about lobsters. Starting with uh, South Africa, at least 45 people have now died in violence that has been engulfing parts of the country since the former president, Jacob Zuma, was jailed Mm -hmm. last week. Uh, The deaths include 10 people who were killed in a stampede during looting on uh, Monday night, and uh, over 800 people have been arrested. The military's now been deployed to help police. Uh, James, this is um, some of the worst violence, according to this article, witnessed in the country since the 1990s before the end of apartheid. So uh, a pretty horrendous situation. And that's about the that's
1: summary of it. It's a um, pretty, big, pretty big thing in terms of the scale of the violence down there. Um, I, I had no idea... Um, about this story until you shared it in the, in the doc there. So I'd managed to dodge that entirely. Um, but it's just uh, amongst the state of the world and the state of the, the country, uh, something precipitated this. It just popped over the edge into violent territory. And all we can hope for is that the, the violence dies down and it, in a way that is beneficial for the people and not for, I don't know, the continuance of, the continuance of bad things.
0: Okay, over to uh, violence in Israel, where a Palestinian demonstration was uh, shot at by Israeli forces. They were protesting against uh, uh, an illegal outpost in the occupied West Bank. Yeah. Uh, This is from Al Jazeera. 370 people were wounded, including 31, by live ammunition. So that got very little coverage, um, but continues to be a a serious problem in the Middle East. This is not quite tied to the ceasefire that we've all been
1: keeping our eyes on, but it is definitely tied into the continuously illegal occupation of the West Bank by Israel. They uh, are dealing with a protest against it in the worst way imaginable, um, by causing great harm in defending their illegal actions. And I feel like when you're already doing something illegal, it should be extra bad when you do something illegal-er to try and continue being illegal. So I don't know. It's pretty bad. We're not going to see anything done, though. Uh, no repercussions. Everybody's going to be okay with it. And uh, one of the only th- silver linings is that it was reported at all. Because, as you said, yeah. I didn't see this on our side of the media. Um, I only found it via the internet.
0: Okay, on one final story, I want to talk about... uh, In fact, I want to make a a note here that I was actually corrected on my pronunciation of Haiti because last week, and I listened back to this, I called it Haiti. Oh. So, yep, that massive distinction there. Haiti. Yeah, Haiti. The... uh, Haiti, yeah. So uh, thank you to Katerina for the for the clarification. Let's talk about Cuba. James, what's been happening in Cuba? I've seen lots of videos on social media of people waving flags.
1: There were some protests and the protests got reported on as though they were like an upheaval of the entire regime of Cuba and everything is going to flip and that they need intervention from the states. Um, but there was just some protests. Um, I can't say they were particularly surprising uh, considering that basically every country in the world is going through protests in in uh, under coronavirus indeed and that the cuban uh, population has continuous embargoes to make things even harder uh, on top of that um but you know maybe these protests and these headlines are yet another little bit of pressure on the states to go oh, Wait, actually yeah, things are bad there in large part due to us maybe we should not be making it bad there But will any president ever be able to do that? I do not know.
0: Okay, our final story, James. Let's talk about lobsters. The UK may soon ban the boiling of uh, these animals alive in a bill that... Among other alive animals. (laughs) Indeed, a bill that acknowledges that crustaceans and mollusks are sentient beings and do actually feel pain? Yes. So, James, tell me about this. Yeah, Boris
1: Johnson and his government are are encouraging um, legislators to take into consideration uh, creatures' feelings and welfare when drafting new policies. Which? How about that? They don't do for like foreigners or immigrants <laughs> or asylum seekers. I, I, why are why are lobsters being? Why are lobsters' feelings being held in higher regard? Now, granted. I don't think anybody in the UK can get away with boiling an immigrant alive. Um, But it's very unusual to see the Conservative Party at all register that creatures or humans have feelings that are worth considering. And I hope that they can also bring that kind of a language into their policies regarding things beyond the boiling of lobsters. But yes, I'm pretty sure it hurts to get boiled alive lobsters can feel pain after all, we should stop causing
0: it unnecessarily. I think this news says a lot about the priorities of the UK government, that this bill about the fair and nice treatment of lobsters is more important than the fair and nice treatment of asylum seekers. But that's where we are. And it's it's strange,
1: like surely the the smallest little inconvenience for a person matters more than a boiling lobster in terms of legislation. You'd you, you think so. Like causing pain to people who are trying to cross a sea, whether they've been invited or not, making it extra difficult and causing them extra stress and pain and not considering their feelings and only making things harder feels a little bit more important to me than boiling a lobster. But, you know, I'll take a little <laughs> win. People are going to stop boiling lobsters. We can move on and
0: try yeah, and... Yeah, I, I was just going to say... Nope, go. I mean, genuinely, I do believe that the Home Secretary, Shitty Chatelle, does care more about the well-being of mollusks than she does the well-being of asylum seekers.
1: I, I honestly I honestly believe
0: she does. Yeah, and this news makes it categorically clear. But but also, there must be, like, a humane way to kill a lobster.
1: Apparently, it's a, an electric stun is how you oh, kill yeah. a lobster. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, um... Which, again, as I'm sure, something that the government would really love to apply to asylum seekers and such. Um, but they are not able to because human rights exist. And the only thing that keeps the government from going to the lowest of the low regarding humans is certain bills of human rights.
0: Which they are actively trying to get rid of. Which they're trying to ignore. Yeah, precisely. But just on the, the consumer point, I, I think there's a, a discussion to be had about the killing of, of lobsters anyway.
1: It makes a lot of sense to me why people, why people and populations, and people being overwhelmingly lazy in general, have excused the act of boiling lobsters because it is just so much more convenient right. than having to think twice about doing anything. There's no mess. There's no worry. You don't have to go any place. You don't have to cut its throat. You don't have to worry about how long it's been dead because it wasn't dead. <laughs> um, so, like overall, it was very convenient to believe that lobsters felt no pain. I'm not really sure how we could have validated that, you know, because since pain really does matter for the existence of beings, we can avoid, you know, catastrophes and death. But, you know, we believed it for a long time and we no longer do.
0: Yeah. And also, it is easier for, you know, consumers to just drop a lobster in a pot of water rather than go to essentially a slaughterhouse and, and slaughter a cow. Anyway, that brings us to the end of the show. What a mouldy sandwich. With a side of lobster. (laughs) If you want to get in touch with the show, you can do seesoparade at gmail.com or at seesoparade on Twitter. And also, just a a mention here. Thank you to all of you who listen, but clearly nobody listens to the very end because the last two episodes, I have dropped some newsworthy items and no one said anything. So, you all (laughs) suck. Okay. (laughs) No, seriously thank you for listening these succulent lobster meats <laughs> thank you for listening i really do appreciate it and uh james because i've used all my gossip i'm gonna let you finish this episode um i don't think i've
1: got any juicy gossip uh, i do apologize um my my hair is long nice <laughs> don't tell my dad actually he would be upset <laughs>